we cannot simply let it disappear. I mean, now we have no way back for us as open source maintainers. Like, the community would not appreciate if task containers will be no longer. It becomes a critical component of modern software development. This is Contributor, a podcast telling the stories behind the best open source projects and the communities that make them. I'm Eric Anderson. This is a conversation with Sergey and Ellie, leaders of Atomic Jar, the company behind the open source project Test Containers. Test Containers is an exciting project that has become basically the API for integration tests. And not the integration test you're used to, in the sense that these run locally on your machine, they kind of act like unit tests. Test Containers is a library inside your code, and the test can run on your local machine. The project is wildly popular, originally on Java with six and a half thousand GitHub stars, but now growing even faster on .NET and other communities. I'm excited to have Ellie and Sergey here of the Test Containers team. Test Containers, as you may already know, is a wildly popular open source project, six and a half thousand and climbing GitHub stars that help people test their software quicker, more efficiently, easier. Let's start there, actually, Sergey and Ellie. What are test containers exactly? Hey, Eric. Well, first of all, thanks for having us. Always happy to talk about test containers open source, uh, especially given the current context of what we usually talk about. So test containers is, uh, as you say, as the concept of this call, is open source library. Um, and we always make it like emphasis on library, because when it comes to testing, we are usually exposed to products uh, or solutions uh, and like, you know, ephemeral environments or something like that. While I think what made the whole difference with test containers is the fact that it's a library. It's something that developer can add as any other library and uh, they could get going without learning a new paradigm, without migrating, without whatever. But maybe before I talk about like what made it popular, I can describe what test containers is. And Test containers solves one of the biggest uh, or one of the hardest actually uh, challenges in development. Confidence. How to gain confidence that the code you're writing is correct. There are various ways of how to gain more confidence. You can use statically compiled language so at least knows that the thing you wrote will compile, will run. But obviously that's not enough. You can run some unit tests and you can verify that 2 plus 2 equals 4. That's good enough, but at the same time, modern applications, they talk to external databases, and some of them are actually very small. Like they are basically something that reads from database, transforms it, and sends it to other I.O. source, like REST endpoint or other database or Kafka topic, whatever. So how do I test it? Obviously not with unit tests, because then if I mock my databases, I'm almost not testing anything. Like I actually need to test that my queries that I'm writing, that they run correctly. And Test Containers solves exactly that. It gives the developers a set of libraries available in various languages like Java, Going, .NET, and others that they can plug into their project, into their test suite, and start those external dependencies, Kafka, Postgres, Oracle, MassaSQL, or literally anything else that can run a Docker container, and power their tests, run their tests with those external dependencies uh, without learning, well, YAML or Kubernetes or anything else. 
or even Docker, in fact, because now it becomes a single line of code that any developer can write, including an entry-level developer, new Kafka container, boom, you have Kafka container running. And that's what I believe, because I wasn't the original author, the beauty of test containers and what really clicked with developers. The simplicity and the friendliness towards entry-level developers, which is, I think is one of the most important things in the modern world of software, how to bring more developers into all these best practices that we adopted. Maybe just to build on what Sergey just said, in some ways, the way I think about this, it makes writing integration tests as simple as writing unit tests. That's how I summarize the value of test containers in my mind, at least. Got it. Well, okay. So in a world of microservices or, or even just services, we're generally building our service against other services. And in order to test our service, we need to test the connection to these other services. And doing so is a lot of work unless you've got a, a library that abstracts containers and other kind of ways of connecting. Is that, is that maybe part of it? Precisely that. There is a simple need that requires a simple solution, and a lot of other solutions aren't fitting into the definition of simple, hence um, test continuous adoption. Totally. And let's get to how this came about. Sergey, you already kind of hinted that you're not one of the original authors of test containers. Where did this come from and, and how did the two of you get involved? So test containers started uh, as an open source, and it is open source project that uh, started almost eight years ago. We'll celebrate eight years in April and was started by Richard Norris, who was back then at Deloitte Digital. And uh, he had, like, he was building it for himself. It wasn't uh, the idea like, I'll build this open source project for it to be successful because there are some projects that like are being built to be successful. No, he created it to solve his own pain. And he had exactly the pain we just talked about. How do I power my uh, tasks so that I can run them on my machine as part of my software development lifecycle? And back then there weren't that many solutions. And eight years ago, Docker wasn't really something that was like on everyone's machine and everyone's production. Containers were just getting their wide adoption. And I'm not saying that Docker uh, kind of created containers. No, what Docker did, they created great tooling around containers, just like how to make it easy to build images, to publish images, to consume images. And while running Docker in production eight years ago wasn't something that would spark uh, joy in everyone's mind yet. On desktop, it was getting more and more adoption. Like people realized that, hey, actually uh, this abstraction, Docker abstraction, gives a lot of tools to solve the problem of testing. And uh, while other solutions uh, were focused on the idea of externalizing it, let's say Fig, now known as Docker Compose, was one of such tools. You would just write a YAML file, you describe your containers in that YAML file, start them with a single command, and that's already, uh, it's already a good start. Then you can run your tests with uh, those containers. But the problem is that uh, developers had to learn, first of all, what Docker Compose is, then what Docker is. It wasn't that like every, every second person is very experienced with Docker. Back then it was just like a tiny fraction of developers community who were on the bleeding edge of uh, learning new tools, including Docker. So it required the developers to inherit the complex, not the complexity per se, because Docker abstracted away a lot of complexity, but still the specifics of uh, Docker and related tooling. 
And another thing is that I'm a big fan of clone and run. When I clone the project and I run it, where I don't need to read README, where I don't need to run some scripts, where I don't need to do anything. I just clone any project uh, from GitHub or any other source control system, and I can run it. And most importantly, when I pull changes, I don't need to read README again because someone changed how we start our test environment. Or maybe I'm using an outdated version of the database and now we migrated to a newer version, something like that. Like, I just want to run my tests and expect them to be self-contained. As in, my tests should be starting everything that is needed for them to run. And that's what triggered the idea for Richard. It was just like, hey, Docker is an HTTP API. How Docker Compose works, it talks to Docker over HTTP. So why can't we do the same from Java code, from Golang code, from Python code? Like there is a HTTP client in every language out there. And he came up with this idea of building task containers as uh, a solution to make tasks self-contained, to start their external dependencies in place of mocks where previously they had to use uh, mocks and uh, mock certain interfaces or use in-memory databases that weren't giving them the confidence because they were using Oracle in production. And he shared with me the story where he had to run with a CD with Oracle installation and install it on every developer's machine just to guarantee that they have the same installation of Oracle needed for their testing. But with test containers, uh, they were able to get rid of it, basically to make external dependencies shareable as a code available to any developer uh, the company. That was the original idea of test containers. And by the way, as Richard said about it, I thought it's going to take a few months and then I can call it done. Just like it's simple enough project to spend a couple of months on it. And then once we have the concept, I don't need to do anything about it anymore. It was eight years ago and Test Containers right now remains one of the fastest growing Java projects, one of the most popular uh, testing libraries out there. And we have so many more ideas how to evolve it. But maybe I could quickly uh, explain what the hell I'm doing here. Because as I said, Richard was the original creator. But shortly after he created Test Containers, around that time I was working at Zero Turnaround, a small DevTools company from Estonia. and we basically had our own test containers internally. Like we had the very same concept of talking to Docker directly from tests, very same pain, very same everything, but our project was inner source. Like it wasn't open source, but as a Apache uh, Software Foundation member and a number of other open source communities I was involved into, including Spring, um, for me, it was a no brainer that Richard's open source solution is better. And the way I discovered it is another uh, fun story because I really believe that one of the best things in GitHub is the networking effect. And the way they achieve it is cross-linking from issues uh, when you read comments. You read comments on some issues that you Googled and you see other projects talking about the same issue. And I was literally trying to solve one of the problems I had with our library. I was looking at the Docker client uh, for Java and I noticed the link from test containers. I'm just like, I'm looking at Docker. I'm working on a test library with containers and I see a reference to task containers. So obviously I need to check it. And um, one day later, I already convinced my manager and uh, his manager that we should ditch our internal implementation 
backport all the features that we're missing in test containers and start using the open source library. And I guess I was so noisy with my contributions that Richard just uh, gave up and invited me as a co-maintainer of test containers. And ever since then, we were working together on test containers with Richard. And later, Kevin Wittig joined us as third maintainer. Got it. Yeah, I know. I see, I see here on the GitHub that you know, you're number two in terms of contributions. You're right up there with Richard. Very good. Ellie, how did you get involved in the project? So I got involved a lot later. Sergey got involved in the beginning and, and, and drove a lot of the success. I started seeing test containers much later. And what excited me is actually the implications of the projects on companies and teams that are adopting test containers. The specific item that I think Sergey has mentioned here, this idea of self-contained tests is extremely powerful because what this allows users to do, it allows them to write tests that can execute independently of everything else and provide confidence to them to ship software to production. I always remember this experience that I've had when I was early at Amazon, right? The idea of, hey, we were building S3 and we had an integration environment and the integration environment had integration tests. Uh, fun story, it also had, we had monitors all over our working environment and on the monitors, we had a bunny. And when 80% of the tests were passing, the bunny would be super happy. When less than 80% of the tests were passing, the bunny would be a little upset. Uh, and as we as we continued our journey in building integration tests and shipping software, that environment became less and less useful because tests were, were failing more often because the environment provided less and less confidence. And over time, it became less used, right? And this idea of being able to get confidence as you develop software before you go to integration environment. Yes, you might still use an integration environment, but getting confidence before you go there, getting this confidence quickly, getting this confidence on your developer machine is extremely powerful because it allows developers to be more productive as they develop code and that allows organizations to ship software faster. And I've structured my career over, over the years to really gravitate towards organizations that can do that. And that to me was a no-brainer when I saw Sergey and Richard building test containers and the opportunity arose to to be able to to join the project and the company. I, I jumped on it because I I felt such a strong connection to the mission of what we're trying to build. Awesome. So self-contained tests. I guess I, I think I didn't fully grasp the implication that these all run on your local machine. And presumably they're less flaky, if I if, if that's the right word, than your typical integration test that's kind of subject to like network availability or kind of uh, different contexts around the, the services. Maybe there's new data in the database that, that kind of messes up your tests. So if, I, if I'm a traditional developer, I've got a bunch of unit tests, a handful of integration tests, and I adopt test containers, I'm going to take half those integration tests and I'm going to pull them kind of into my local suite, right? I think it's a good question. What are the implications of using test containers? Because uh, they do change the way you treat your tasks, like the way you reason about your tasks. And uh, as Eli said, uh, what actually the approach that we are advertising, or like we are enabling the task containers experience, is much closer to unit tests yeah. than to traditional integration tests or right. integrated tests. Um, and Spotify had a really good article on 
various testing stages, like how they do that. They also do it with test containers that you can grasp from the article, but they talk about what is an integration test? Like, is it an environment or is it just the idea of testing your code with external dependencies? And Martin Fowler also talks about the definition of integration test that is right now is a bit, uh, I mean, there is a lot of ambiguity whether we talk about uh, environments or not. And in test containers, we try to avoid even mentioning word environment because that's not something in our vocabulary. That's not an abstraction in test containers experience. While individual external components are, you're not starting an environment with Kafka, Postgres, and Redis. You are starting Kafka, Postgres, and Redis, similar to how you instantiate variety of objects in your code. Indeed, it's a local experience. It's part of your software development lifecycle. It's your inner cycle uh, development loop. And you code, you run your tests, and you get uh, feedback that is also much faster than just compiling something, deploying it to some environment, or no, someone else deployed to that environment something else, as per Ellis' uh, story at uh, AWS S3. He was always humble, and he was always referring, oh, yeah, blah, blah. but Ellie was on the original team of uh, AWS S3, and he's seen it at that scale. So I never worked at the scale of uh, something like AWS S3, but I can easily understand the pain he's referring to, because those staging environments, including integration environments, so-called, is a snowflake. It's... If I may, if I may refer to this pets versus cattle, DevOps uh, paradigm, it's the same thing. Like staging environments are pets. You take care of them, you are really sad when they go away, and so on and so forth. While what we advertise, ephemeral components for tasks that you start, stop, always with a fresh state. You never inherit old state from the old run unless you choose to, so that you can iterate faster, but then you explicitly acknowledge that, okay, the state will remain between the runs. And it makes the feedback cycle from tests much faster than any other testing approach, including staging environments, end-to-end -end testing, browser testing, and so on and so forth. And it's something familiar to developers. Like mm -hmm. They know how to instantiate objects and they know how to send, let's say, requests to their REST service. Yep. Their REST service might not even have UI, so they cannot use something like Cypress or Selenium or something like that to test them. But they can do it with the APIs, but they need to power their services for them to start. And that's, that's how they do it with test containers. I don't have much to add to what Sergey said because he, he 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 made such a complete answer. Maybe just very very high level at S three. Like if a test fails in integration, you never know if it's a data issue, if some other dependency you have, like somebody else deployed something else. No clue. You start getting to a situation where like I don't know, twenty percent of the tests fail. Why is it happening? Is it my code? Is it an environmental issue? Is what's happening? And then the more time passes, the more fundamentally it becomes like, okay, are we going to invest the time to get the tests passing now? Or is this just normal? Is it, it becomes a background thing, right? So as your system becomes bigger, as you build more components, the value of that becomes less and less because you have to invest more and more to continue maintaining it, right? And, and that's completely the opposite of what you want happening when you're building software. This is why the idea of test containers resonated so much. And this is why I believe we're seeing such adoption curve for that technology and such adoption curve 
not only on individual language, it's not language specific, because the paradigm is the same paradigm, whether you're writing in Java and .NET and Golang, any language, because that it's so powerful. And up until this came about, people th thought about containers and people thought about those technologies as primarily the path to production, but it adds so much value in the inner development loop. And then once you adopt it, you of course you can run the same tests in your CI test, it's in your CI. They add more value, but by you being able to do, to, to do this on your developer machine and being able to get feedback earlier, you're able to discover bugs earlier, you're able to fix issues earlier, you're able to develop faster. Ellie, I think I'm with Sergey. Being being on the original AWS S3 team is kind of a big deal. I, S3 was the first product, so you're on the original AWS team, right? I mean, that's full stop. I joined AWS when AWS was in 50. Uh, oh, before wow. that, I was an intern. It used to be called Web Services in the original email that I got. I want to go back a bit to the history here. So Richard started this project. He thought it was a few months. Now he's a couple of years in or something. Sergey's on board. But this is still an open source project. No one's decided we're going to build a business here yet. Ellie's not quite involved yet. And, and the project's growing. But it's, it seems to me it's growing kind of organically. A lot of the people I'll, I interview on the show, we, we go look at Hacker News and we can see distinct times that like, you know, they went viral and everybody got excited about them. Test containers shows up on Hacker News a lot, but it, it never quite explodes on Hacker News. And yet the project's just on a tear. What, how, how do you think about, you know, the adoption path for test containers? Um, maybe you could kind of describe how that has come to be. Mm -hmm. So when I joined Test Containers Project, it existed for three or four months, I think. Uh, so I joined qu quite early. And what I started doing, uh, because it was my passion, I started talking. I mean, I was passionate about sharing something that I learned with others, uh, just like, especially if it made me happy. I'm just like, hey, like, this is a cool thing. Like, you know, like, have you tried this restaurant? Because like, it's the best food I ever had. So I'm always passionate about that. And uh, I started doing conference talks uh, on test containers. I started uh, talking to others about it. And actually what happened is that other developer, I mean, I wasn't developer advocate, but I was doing developer advocacy. But other developer advocates, especially from early days, uh, folks from Elastic, for example, they started talking about test containers too, because it solved their pain. They didn't want to maintain uh, embedded Elasticsearch. They were having a lot of issues. They were limited in what uh, Java runtime versions they can use because of those customers who were using embedded Elasticsearch that were required to use exactly the same version. And here they have test containers, something they could delegate this experience to because they are infrastructure companies. They're not actually a developer tools company. Like they are not selling to developers. They are selling to infrastructure people. So they would ideally delegate it to someone else. And test containers was that someone else for them. So their developer advocates started talking about test containers. Eventually they deprecated embedded Elasticsearch and they were recommending test containers as a solution. And others were doing it too, like from big companies. And um, indeed, we never had this moment when someone famous would say something about test containers and boom, I don't know, like plus thousand stars on GitHub. Like our growth was very organic, uh, coming from conference talks, uh, from me, just uh, sometimes like going to other open source projects and offering them help with test containers. And it was a question of discoverability, just like whether the right people discover it or not. And of course, there is this uh, viral effect where someone discovered it, 
water cooler conversation, team talking to another team, someone doing internal tax talk uh, about test containers, and we're seeing it almost every day. Like when I joined Test Containers Project, uh, one of the things I started doing, I started monitoring GitHub code occurrences for Test Containers mention. Funny story, there is some tool by Microsoft and one of the properties in their XML file is Test Containers. It has nothing to do with uh, Test Containers, the open source library, but it really messed up uh, my search. <laughs> so like, I really had to kind of, and I couldn't ignore XML files because uh, Maven POM files are also XML. So I was spending a lot of time just like, nope, not test containers, not test containers, not containers. Ooh, test containers. And um, one of the early adopters of test containers was, well, Apache Software Foundation. Really, when project was probably less than a year old. Start with a couple of uh, um, Apache projects, but then it really exploded. And Eric I, know, Eric, I know that you were involved into Apache Beam and probably are still involved. Uh, and uh, Apache Beam is one of the examples of uh, test containers adopters. Uh, but the fact that it's a library made it easy for them to adopt. And in fact, for something like Apache Beam, well, you don't even have production. You don't even have staging environment. How do you test other than while you develop, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Test Container started as a Java library, if I recall, mm-hmm. and and a lot of the Apache projects are Java, and they all kind of work together. So I can see that as a great kind of breeding ground where you, you know, if you get into Kafka and then people are using Apache Beam with Kafka, they see you know the, the dependency, and then maybe you're also doing something with uh, Spark or you know Hadoop, you name it. All these projects kind of work together, so that makes a lot of sense. And then the the developer relations, developer advocate channel is clever as well. I can imagine demos being a lot easier when you can uh, quickly show people how to do stand up tests. So um, I want to move us forward a bit to um, at some point, Sergey, you decide there might be a business here. And I'm, I'm curious, is that something that Richard ever considered pursuing? Is that something, um, you know, how, how did the, the, the kind of formation of the business come about? So, um, since I was exposed to uh, those developers who are using those other companies who are using it, uh, while Richard was uh, a bit more on the development side of things, I always had this feeling that like there is something about it, uh, like there is an opportunity. And as always with open source, actually, commercializing open source is a huge challenge. And it requires a lot of product work, actually, before you start the company. Like... You got to be a product manager for your open source project before you understand how to commercialize it. Not the other way around where like, hey, we have an open source project. We should just like raise around and we don't know how to commercialize it, but we'll sure figure out. Like there must be something because our stars are growing. Well, that's not how it works. But over uh, those uh, seven years uh, or like six years before we started the company, uh, we accumulated a lot of feedback on test containers uh, and Overall, it was very positive feedback. Like people were happy with it. And there were some major pains that we unfortunately couldn't solve, uh, but they were related not to test containers, but uh, let's say Docker uh, is, I mean, Docker is what makes this whole thing work. But at the same uh, time, not everyone can get Docker running on their machines. Or maybe their security teams aren't happy with having Docker in their CI pipelines. Or many other reasons, just like, Docker is a great technology, but uh, Docker adoption is uh, it's kind of weird. Like 
It's overly adopted in some areas and under-adopted in others. But uh, it was one of the major pains. Um, and when projects started, and even a few years into project existence, uh, technology weren't there yet to do anything about it, I would say. Or barely there's anything we can do. And we didn't want to sell Task Containers Pro. Uh, first of all, we don't know how to do it, but also we don't want to do it. It's a very dangerous path where you always have to make this trade-off of what features go into pro version, what features stay in open source, or we do like companies with more than 100 developers need to buy pro. Like that's not the conversation I want to have with our open source community because we value them a lot. They like us a lot. And I don't want to break this relationship because of our commercial reasons. But a bit more than two years ago, we've been thinking about what can we do about uh, Docker, like Podman isn't really an option uh, because it's, first of all, it was uh, early uh, early days of Podman, but also it doesn't solve it uh, fully. It's 20% improvement to the problem. It's not 100% improvement. Then Kubernetes, well, it's just, it's actually even bigger uh, problem than Docker because at least Docker, like everyone knows how to install. Kubernetes, there are five different ways of installing Kubernetes on desktop alone and not to mention all the variety of options of running Kubernetes in, let's say, CI pipelines. So we needed a solution and we realized that, okay, if we cannot solve it locally, we could solve it remotely. And this idea of remote DevTools, where it feels like local, but it's actually remote, really clicked with us. Back then, it didn't exist, this, this word, remote. And um, what we realized is that we can actually move those containers off the machine that runs the task but not too far, somewhere on the edge, because the technologies allow us. And then the very same task containers-based uh, tasks can run on the very same machine, but the containers will be running somewhere else. So that now task containers-based tasks can run on low-powered machines, or like low-performed low machines, but also Apple uh, Silicon starts gaining popularity. And more and more of our users starting telling us, hey, how do I run my test containers based test on Apple M1? Because it's ARM and Kafka won't start, Oracle won't start, many other containers that I used to run and I need to run them today. Just like, <laughs> I just got this new shiny Apple M1 uh, laptop. I was so excited because everyone is talking about them. But then I realized that I, can no, I no longer can run my tests. And this is where it really clicked with the idea of test containers cloud and moving containers to the cloud while keeping the tests on developer machines and CI environments the original machines and environments. Oh, it does seem like Kubernetes and, and M1 both are kind of a perfect storm to help you out. To me, this approach that Sergey and Richard were taking around building a commercial product that actually helps the community and doesn't necessarily limit features or it, the commercial product makes the open source better, appealed very much, I would say. Previously to, to joining Sergey, I tried to do something somewhat similar by taking working inside of VMware and Pivotal, taking the Spring framework and building a managed service around it. At the time I did it with Microsoft, this is called Azure Spring Apps. But this idea of taking open source and providing a better runtime, providing value, providing things that developers would choose to use, right? Not because we're limiting something, but because they choose. It makes it better appealed. And this is, again, why the conversation with Sergey, why I'm so excited about what we're building over here, 
because it actually helps the community. That's awesome. And and I, I think you're you're thoughtful about going through this process kind of in the early stages of the company. Um, Cause I think a lot of folks don't have that clarity of how we're going to monetize and, and how that will complement the community until much later. Good for you. It was something really important for us, by the way, to pick the right uh, strategy from day one, because uh, both Richard and I, uh, and also Kevin, uh, third maintainer, who is our employee number one, we deeply care about test containers community. We we actually, like, we have like personal responsibility for this community that we have built. And I mean, at the end of the day, test containers is something that's currently being used at like the biggest companies out there. Like I could just like start with like, the first ones in my head, like I know Spotify, Uber, Netflix, uh, VMware, uh, Google, and a bunch of other uh, Capital One, uh, N26. Uh, like I can continue counting all these like big, uh, big companies, startups, companies of various stages. But what it means is that we cannot simply let it disappear. I mean, now we have no way back for us as open source maintainers. Like the community would not appreciate if test containers will be no longer. It becomes a critical component of modern software development, especially in Java. We also received this uh, contribution from GitHub where they distributed fund to open source projects they're relying on. And we, that's how we learned that test containers is also used at GitHub. But the point I'm trying to make is that we couldn't really risk like for us, it must have been a low risk strategy. Like we needed a solid commercial idea because what could happen should we have an issue with our commercialization strategy is that we will either be forced and back then we didn't know how VCs work. So we always assumed the worst, but uh, back then, especially our thinking was that should we fail with our test containers cloud product, then we would be forced to go and kind of commercialize test containers itself, like start setting test containers pro start removing features from open source and adding it to commercial version. And that was anti-goal. So for us, it was one of the most critical thing. And this is why it took us so long to actually make a decision to just like commit to, okay, we are starting, we are doing, we know exactly what we're doing. And we also did a lot of interviews with our open source users before starting the commercial company, just to know that what we are building will be later purchased by them because that solves their pain. So for us, it was critical. Great. As we kind of wind down here, Sergey and Ellie, anything you wanted to cover that we didn't cover yet? I imagine some folks might want to hear about kind of the, the future of test containers, what gets you excited. But um, I want to just float the idea if you have anything you want to cover, let's do so now. One thing I'll mention, we talked about this being a Java library at first, but you've already mentioned that you cover Go, Python, several others. Uh, that's certainly one one dimension of of excitement around test containers. Uh, what else do folks have to look forward to? Absolutely, the multilingual part of this is super super thrilling for us. In fact, internally, we look at the adoption curve at least as measured in stars on GitHub, and we're seeing that net actually overtake Java in terms of the rate of increase of stars on GitHub. So that makes us super super excited. We're excited about the fact that other companies are also starting to support this idea of test containers, right? So Elastic has test containers in their, in their documentation. We have other folks who are now, it becomes somewhat of a standard. Other members of the community starting to build on top of it. And that gets us super, super excited. Of course, we're excited when we talk to our 
prospects and customers, seeing how what's the implication of adopting test containers on those large companies. And we learn a ton from having those conversations. Sergey, anything to add? Just maybe on the uh, multi-language story, because uh, it took us quite a bit of time to convince the world that test containers isn't just about Java. Yes, that's how it started in Java. But then uh, shortly after, uh, like Python was the second version going, was the third, and then it just exploded. Because it's really not about the implementation, but about the experience, the approach, the idea that we are promoting. And we... I mean, reimagining is like, you know, like it's a buzzword, but uh, we just took a different path to how testing can be done. And it really clicked with developers. And uh, it doesn't matter if I develop in Java, in Rust, in .NET, or any other language. The idea is the same. And the good news is that there is test containers library, so I don't need to kind of build it myself, first of all, but also like I don't need to choose. If I change from one project to another, I'll see the same abstractions or more or less the same abstractions to make it language native so that you'll not be like, oh, it's very Java-ish code and going. No, it will be going native code. But indeed, this adoption leads to a question of is test containers becoming the API for integration testing uh, on state platforms. And that's what we see right now. It's already, especially in the Java world, like all major Java frameworks integrate with test containers. Spring, Quarkus, Micronaut, all of them have first-class support for test containers. Some took it even uh, further. For example, Quarkus, they implemented local development mode where like, I'm not writing automated tests but I want to start my application and click through UI or maybe send some queries with Postman or some other tool or curl. For that, I need the same thing. I need to start dependencies. I need to start databases. Uh, I need to start brokers. Um, and test containers can be used for that. And Red Hat integrated uh, it into Quarkus. So they have test containers powered local development mode. Micronaut did the same. And we are working with the Spring team on doing the same. And uh, I heard that in other languages, specifically in Goang, they are also exploring this option because I see like starting applications locally as just yet another type of testing, manual testing. So even we don't need, we don't even need to rename the library. It's the same test container that powers automated testing and manual testing. And given that our API seems to be good enough, stable enough and appreciated enough by other framework authors, it gives us the opportunity to just become the de facto API, making it possible to enable developers, do the development, and gain the confidence they need to ship their code even before they commit it to the repository. And other vendors who support us uh, only help us in that journey. It's a long journey. It's going to take quite some effort to get there, but at least we are committed to build this API and have it so that developers out there will be enjoying the test containers experience, same experience that led us believe that we should invest eight years of our life maintaining it on our spare time on evenings before we start the atomic jar, because we truly believed into this approach and we've seen support by the community too. Yeah, I don't think outsiders fully appreciate just how different open source or, or development communities are by language. You know, they're they're kind of subcultures. And so the fact that you kind of took off within Java and then have been able to replicate that success in, in different ways in each community, presumably, because there's different kind of cultures and, 
and uh, ways of doing things in each one is exciting and, and does suggest that you're headed in the direction, as you point out, of being kind of the API for better testing. Sergey, Ellie, thank you so much for coming and sharing this with us. Uh, we look forward to seeing what uh, the new year holds for the project. I know you've got some big announcements coming. Appreciate you spending the time. Thank you. Thank you, Eric. It was a pleasure to chat about it. And thanks for keeping focus on open source. That makes me happy. You can subscribe to the podcast and check out our community Slack and newsletter at contributor.fyi. If you like the show, please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, I'm Eric Anderson, and this has been Contributor. Contributor.